This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast. Just let me open that Diet Coke there. There we go. Uh, as we uh, come to you on this uh, Christmas week, Brought to you, of course, by the good folks at uh, Bet Rivers. And remember, for all of your wagering needs, just download the Bet Rivers app. All encompassing, all imp- ever improving uh, Bet Rivers app for all of your wagering needs and for all your uh, wagering fun. And uh, let me also take this time to wish you a very, very uh, happy holidays and a very uh, safe and healthy new year. As we head towards that and uh, go through this very, very uh, busy time, we're heading towards week 17 as the playoff picture comes into full focus in the NFL. A couple of things here before we take some emails uh, on this uh, midweek podcast. You know, Aaron Rodgers came here and clearly he brought a lot of excitement with him. Clearly the story of the year in the big city. But he also brought with him uh, a lot of a lot of baggage and a lot of different things that he has picked up over his many, many years, successful years in Green Bay and in the NFL. He has made himself the grand marshal in New York. He came in and made sure he was at every event. There he was front row. There he was at every game. There he was uh, as the face of the franchise. And as we headed towards the start of the season with great anticipation, he was clearly not only the number one story in New York, he was the biggest star in the big city. We haven't had someone who has completely controlled the spotlight as much as he did in a very long time. Now, we know it only lasted four plays, unfortunately, because we all wanted to see how it played out. But let's be honest, since his injury, his injury and his long rehabilitation has been chronicled like you would chronicle the uh, medical history of a president. We have known about every step. We have known about every occurrence. We have known about every breakthrough. Now he's on the field. Now he's doing this. He's out of a boot. He's here. He's there. He's there. We watched as this was orchestrated and also updated weekly on his weekly spot, for which he's paid handsomely, but also gives him a lot of visibility. But now, after coming here and controlling this team completely, he brought in the players he wanted. He put in the offense he wanted. He brought a very, very suspect coach who he wanted who does not have the resume to be here, but he wanted him, which is good enough reason for him to be here. Anything he wants, he got. 
But now all of a sudden this week, he strikes out because he has received some criticism because his being on the active roster, despite the fact he's not going to play, and we always knew he was never going to play. But the fact that he's on the active roster, he now tries to attack his critics by saying, hey, I'm just an employee. I didn't want to be on the active roster. I was put on the active roster without my say-so. He's going to try and sell us now on the fact that he is not in charge when he has clearly been in charge from before the time he got here. So he not only thinks he can come here, command the spotlight, but he also thinks he can come to the big city and play everybody like a bunch of rubes. That I can tell you what to think and when to think it. Does anybody think that anything has happened with that team that he has not wanted? So he didn't want to be on the active roster. He wanted to stay on IR, but he was put on it against his will. You think anybody anywhere is buying that? And why would anybody buy that? You'd have to be a fool to buy that. We have all watched as Rogers has completely commanded the franchise and will completely continue to command the franchise while he's here. He put out a statement making sure everybody was back before Woody did. Woody's condoning and bringing back the coach and the general manager and Hackett and everybody else was just a fait accompli once Rogers had already done it. Everybody knew they were coming back because what Rogers wants, he gets. Even if it's to the detriment of the team, as we have seen this year, because the guys he's wanted on the roster were awful. What we need him to do is actually take the role he now is telling you that he is going to take. And that is that he is going to be a, a player and an employee rather than the man who commands the franchise. He will never, ever do that. He has never done that. He has not done that in a very long time because when you become a quarterback of his ilk, which is very rare, you not only get great riches, you get great power. Quarterbacks are born to lead. Great quarterbacks are born to lead with complete dominance. They run their franchises. That's the way it should be. No one's saying it shouldn't be that way. But that has to do with the team. He should not have command of the roster. He should not have command of the franchise. And he's trying to tell you now he doesn't when we all know he does. And that's because he didn't like the fact that some players had to be moved. Players had to be cut. Players had to be moved off the practice squad to accompany him. And that bothered him. Even though it turned out that the veteran player that he was worried about was going to get his whole year vested anyway. So he wasn't losing any of his money. But it did upset some lives. And for really no good reason, although Salah tried to tell you that it was important to have him 
activated, which is complete, utter nonsense. But Sal tries to sell you a lot of nonsense all the time. Sal has been selling people nonsense since he got here. The biggest thing Sal has to do is learn how to coach the team. He's getting an extension, an extension that he hasn't earned. He's 17 and 32 as a head coach. He came in talking about multiple championships. He still now hasn't learned his lesson. I hope he's learned his lesson about how to get to games, not with you know sirens blaring when he hasn't even coached the game. But the bottom line is he hasn't learned his lesson about talking up his team and talking about his team winning championships when they haven't even gotten to 500 yet. Walk before you run. Actually crawl before you run because this franchise has been mired in complete losing for such a long time. They lead the NFL in consecutive years of, lo- of not making the playoffs, of losing seasons. That is a chain that has to be broken. Break that chain before you talk about championship rosters and Super Bowls. It sounds comical when you say it. Even now, he hasn't learned his lesson with two games left in this season. When he talks about we have a championship roster, no, you don't. Not until you improve this offensive line. Not unless until you get the kind of people you can win with on offense. Is the defense good? Yes. Is it great? No. Ask Jacoby Brissett how great it is. The bottom line is it is a very solid defense. It can sometimes be really effective, especially against the pass. It has been asked to do way too much of the lifting. No one can dispute that. But it is not yet a great defense, and it is anything but a championship roster. And Douglas and Salah and everybody there who has a say, and that includes Mr. Rogers, has to put their collective heads together and bring in the guys who will make this a winning team on offense, which means get an offensive line you can count on, one that is cohesive, one that is efficient, one that is versatile, one that is tough, and one that you can count on. You don't have any of that now. Just watch in Cleveland tomorrow night. You'll get another reason why, and you'll get another example of how much you have to go on that offensive line. Not going to be a picnic there tomorrow night. But it is comical to hear Rodgers not only wanting to set the table, cook the meal, but then tell you when it's right, when it's wrong, and when everything is in place. I didn't do this. I'm not accepting any criticism. Hey, the bottom line is we all know what Rogers' place is in the Jet franchise. So don't try to fool anybody with this utter nonsense about, hey, I'm just following orders. Rogers hasn't followed an order since he got here. He only gives them. And if you believe anything else, you're just not paying attention. Now, around the league, quickly, a couple interesting things. One with Kelsey and then a couple with quarterbacks. Kelsey, you saw him go off 
in the Chiefs' really stunning, let's be honest, stunning performance against the Raiders. Unexpected. Every Chief watcher was expecting the Chiefs to really put forth a big Christmas effort. And, folks, listen, spend your time on something more important than blaming this on Taylor Swift. I mean, come on, please. Kelsey, though, throwing his helmet in disgust in the Raider game and then coming out on his podcast with some very interesting things. Every single play is somebody not doing their job, and it's me, and it's everybody on the team. And that's whether it's prep, whether that's having a confidence understanding of what the defense is in their coverages, the gaps in the running game, how we're picking up blitzes, how we're running routes. The bottom line is all of the above. And then he used some profanity, we'll skip. It's not just one guy. It's me playing like blank. And it's all of us playing that way. Everybody's in this together. And everybody at some point isn't being accountable. So he has now taken off at everybody, the rest of the team and the coaching staff. He's talked about different things about whether we should practice more, whether we should all get together more, whether we should run through things more. The bottom line is throughout the season, we've shown at times we can be high powered on offense when we don't hurt ourselves with penalties, which always happens hurt ourselves with drops. It's always first and blanking something, he says. Every other drive, every other set, we are anything but a well-oiled machine. We got to get everybody on the blanking page. Well, this team has been beset by drops, but you know what? Kelsey looks very unsure of himself. He has not handled this well. Mahomes has not handled this well. You saw Mahomes setting out on the offensive line the other day. The Chiefs are right now at a crisis point. They haven't been at it years. They're going to the playoffs, but they're crawling in. But they have a defense that will be there in the postseason. The question is, can they get this offense back on page and on note? It hasn't been there all year and that's on Andy and that's on the coaches and that's on those offensive players because they got to be a lot better or the Chiefs are going to make an early exit. Taylor's thoughts over DeVito shouldn't be a headline. Taylor should have always started over DeVito. He's a better quarterback. Jacoby Brissett starts for Washington. That should have happened in the Jet game. If they had had Jacoby Brissett at, uh, uh, under center, they would have beaten the Jets. That game never would have happened. It would have been a Washington win. He came in not late, took the lead anyway, and the Jets luckily got a great field goal effort from a field goal kicker who has been brilliant this year. Their field goal kicker and their punter have been just unbelievable this year. Unbelievably good. They have been as good as you could ever want two guys to be. They should be noted for that. And then Wilson 
had a, a clause in his contract that pays him a bundle, an absolute bundle, if he were to start these two games coming up. And we just learned that Wilson will be sat down. That's going to cost Wilson a ton of money. Now, Denver still has a very, very small chance at making the playoffs. I think it was something like 6%. The bottom line is Denver is looking not only to the future, looking to their pocketbook in week 17 and sitting Wilson rather than pay him. They play the Chargers this week, and then in week 17, they were up against uh, the Raiders. Two winnable games. Not that the Raiders would be a pushover. They wouldn't. But the bottom line is, rather than go for it, Rather than that, they would rather not pay Wilson the money, which is going to be very interesting to see how Wilson reacts to sitting down when it will cost him really a lot of money. I mean, a big, hefty check that would have been there if he had started weeks 17 and 18, which right now we're told he will not. Says a lot about where that franchise is headed under Sean Payton. And there's probably some very unhappy campers there. And right now, the money won out. And also they're telling you, we just don't think we're very good anyway, so we are going to make the economic move rather than make the move that may have, may have got us over the top on the football field. Probably not, but they had a shot. Now they sit down their starting quarterback. We'll come back with your emails. On the way to the emails, one thing. I understand that the MVP is a quarterback award, and I'm not one who gets really uh, too hot under the collar about MVPs. I don't really care very much. But let me say this. If anybody but McCaffrey wins the MVP this year, it's an injustice. None of the quarterbacks, and that includes Jackson, None of them have had a season that is worthy of the MVP. Not one of them. The best season this year, Hill season in Miami is remarkable. He missed a game, but it's still remarkable. He is incredibly valuable to that team. That team doesn't operate when he's not there. And you don't even have to think about whether the Niners would operate without McCaffrey. McCaffrey goes into week 17 with 1,932 rushing and receive, receiving yards and 21 touchdowns. He has handled the ball 321 times and fumbled it twice. He has been as consistent and durable a player as you can possibly be. It's folly that anybody else would be the MVP. Emails when we come back. You're listening to the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, send your emails to Mike Francesa Podcast at gmail.com. That's Mike Francesa Podcast at gmail.com. All right, Paul. Flacco has won 102 regular season games, 10 playoff games, and a Super Bowl. 
He's never lost in the first round of the playoffs. If he takes Cleveland's to the Super Bowl, is he a Hall of Famer? Be a hell of a story. I think Flacco has proved that he has something left in the tank. He and Amari Cooper have become some kind of combination. He throws picks, but he also throws a lot of big connected passes down the field a long distance to Cooper. Cooper's numbers have been outrageous with uh, Flacco, but uh, no, he wouldn't be a Hall of Famer. Dan, how will Yankee history remember Joe Girardi? You think he'll manage again? Is there a place in the Yankee organization for him? Uh, all right, in order. Do I think he will manage again in the majors? No. Is there a place for him in the Yankee organization? I think he could be a broadcaster if you consider that part of the organization, but otherwise, no. How will he be remembered in Yankee history? Well, as a player, he will be remembered as a uh, good number two catcher who had some very, very big hits. If you remember the Girardi triple off Maddox in game six of the 96 World Series, one of the big moments in Yankee history coming back from two games down to win that series four straight. The fourth game that they won in a row was game six on a Saturday night at Yankee Stadium. And I still have said many times I was in the old Yankee Stadium more times than I could even think of. I would, I would hazard to say over a thousand times in my life, maybe more. And it was the loudest I ever heard Yankee Stadium when he got the third base on that triple off Maddox in game six as the Yankees went on to win 3-2 when the ball died in Charlie Hayes' glove at third base. Uh, I really believe it was the loudest I ever, ever heard Yankee Stadium. Uh, the stadium was shaking. And I will remember that always. He was a good backup catcher and a dependable player. And he was a good manager who won a World Series and never had a losing season. Hey, I don't care what team you manage in the major leagues. If you manage for a decade, don't have a losing season and win a World Series, yeah, a heck of a run. I think he was a good manager and did a good job. You know, was his time up? Maybe. That's a debatable point, but maybe. But you know what? He's done something no one else has done in two decades, and that is win a World Series. AJ, I've been listening to you talk sports for uh, decades. I'm curious, what is your favorite sport to talk about and why? I, I, I don't think I have one. I believe in everything has its season. Um, the way I've answered it is if you put me on a desert island and I could only have one season's games, meaning I could have a baseball season worth of games or I could have a basketball season worth of games uh, or an NFL season worth of games. Uh, if I could take one, I think I would take the NFL season worth of games. Um, but I like everything. Like, I love when it's football season and we have football Sundays. Uh and that ends for me. You see, the NFL season, the NFL as I know it, always ends for me on week 18. Because to me, the NFL is about 
regular season Sundays. That is the NFL. That is the essence of the NFL. The playoffs are the playoffs, and they're dramatic, and they're fun, but they're not the same. The regular season Sunday, which is ritualistic for the many ardent NFL fans in this country, whether they go to the games, don't go to the games, whatever they do, I guarantee you they have a ritual on Sunday that also includes watching the NFL from morning to night. And there is no sport like that. There's no day like that. The NFL owns a day. No one else even approaches such a thing. And to me, that is the NFL. That is the essence of the NFL. But I like the season. I mean, I love baseball in October. I love the NCAA tournament in March. I love when the NCAA tournament starts. And I know I got 17 days of this. And it's great. And it's wall to war. And I love it. And the same thing. Everything has its season. And that's why I've never been a fan of people in any way damaging that. And, and like springtime football, people wanted me to get behind the USFL in the biggest way. I, would, I, I, I detested it from the beginning because to me, it just is not part of the natural order of things to have springtime football. It's not what it's about. And I love the fact that, the, you know, the derby's in May. And you look forward to that. And I love the fact as you get ready for postseasons in all these sports. And, you know, I don't do any hockey in the regular season, but I love the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think it's great competition, great theater. I watch it every night. I love it. Because I just think it is a great contained event, their playoffs. Regular season, eh, you know, like everything else. Other than football, everybody's regular season is tedious and too long. There's no question about that. The NFL has had such, I mean, the NBA has had such a problem with theirs, they've destroyed it. Completely destroyed it. The, NFL, the NBA regular season now is such a disaster. I'm surprised the sport is as successful as it is because their regular season now is junk. And that's a scary thought when you think about it. Their playoffs are good like everybody else's, but their regular season and that stupid tournament they started, what a, what a joke. I mean, that, that just shows you how devalued their regular season is that they tried to throw that nonsense in front of the country. John, in your mind, is Pete Carroll a Hall of Famer? You know, he's a rare guy who had a great run at USC and then a great run at Seattle. The Pete Carroll I saw with the Jets and the Pete Carroll I saw go to New England, I'm shocked at how good a coach he's become. He surprised me, and he really is a good coach, and his players love him. And he still has youthful exuberance in his 70s. I mean, he's, he, he's done a hell of a job, Pete. Um, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I don't want to throw Hall of Fames around. And I think what separates you is unless you have a prolific, regular career that Jimmy Johnson doesn't have or Pete Carroll doesn't have or even Tom Coughlin doesn't have. I'm talking about the ones that 
Landry had and Shula had and Belichick has and Andy Reid has. Those are prolific regular seasons, careers. And be dominant like Walsh or Gibbs. If you don't do that, I think you have to have at a minimum to get into the Hall of Fame two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl victories. Jimmy Johnson has two and no losses. Uh, there are other guys that I can name that have two and no losses. I think that really separates you. If you have that second Super Bowl, and then if you're one of those guys who went there twice and won both times, I think that makes a very, very big difference. I think that is really where, then if you've had a pretty good to goods regular season, even if it's not that long, you can be a Hall of Famer. I think that, I think that can work for you, you know, in a lot of different ways. But I would say no to Pete Carroll. Uh, Raj, the Big East is looking strong this year with UConn having won last year's championship. Has the conference overcome the departures of Syracuse and Pitt? The answer is yes. And let me say this. In this time where football is not only king, it is changing the face of everything we know. With the super conferences and everything else, the Big East, a basketball league, has made itself so strong in terms of basketball that they deserve a tremendous amount of credit for what they've done. It is almost impossible to do at this stage. And they have done it with the basketball league they have put together. They have put the right teams in, and it has made a, a very, very big difference. And it is a very, look at it this year, it is an incredibly strong league. You have some really good teams in this league, contenders in this team. You know, UConn's a contender. Marquette's a contender. Creighton is right on the doorstep of being a contender. I'm talking about for championships. Then you have a lot of tournament-type teams that we can go down the list. And I put St. John's on that list, and I'll tell you this about St. John's just in the side here without getting too much into it. I will more as the season progresses. When they lost to UConn the other night, and I know UConn didn't have its big man, but that's the first time I saw Patino's defense take hold. They had been a bad defensive team till in the other games I've seen so far. They've been woefully bad in some games. That game was the first time I have seen them play the type of defense where it actually will change things. And they're starting to grasp what Patino's trying. Listen, Patino is a, whether you like Patino, don't like Patino, don't like his history or anything else, doesn't matter. Patino is a brilliant coach. He will always make teams and players better. And St. John's is starting to learn his defense. And that will continue to get better with each passing, each passing week. Uh, James, Niners killed themselves with turnovers against the Ravens. But is it just me or the Shani Forgetti as a running back like McCaffrey? Um... I don't think he does. I mean, McCaffrey has 1,400 yards rushing. 
It's a different world we live in now with, with running backs and how running backs are utilized. But I don't think, I don't think McCaffrey, who has 21 touchdowns, has 2,000 yards from scrimmage, has 321 touches this year. I don't think that's a problem. I really don't. Counting uh, rushing attempts and receptions, I'm not even counting targets. Those are rushing, those are receptions and uh, rushing attempts. There's obviously been even more targets. So he's a, a big enough part of the offense from what I, what I look at. When the man has 21 touchdowns, he's uh, anything but ignored. That's for sure. Bobby, I like to think that Steve Cohn has a plan, but this has been an awful offseason for the Mets. I can't think of any uh, which – I can't think of any way they are going to be better. Um, obviously, they've gone after the big prizes and come up empty. It shows you that it's not all about money because if it was all about money, they all, they all would be at City Field. They're not. Um, so what you're selling matters. These guys, all they all want to win, and they want their money. They want the combination. Dodgers have been to the playoffs every year since 2012. They know, and Yamamoto knew that going there with Otani already there, that, and with Betts there, and with obviously the lineup that they have and the other people who are there, that they are going to win. They might not win the World Series. We know that's difficult, but they will get to the playoffs. Um, I think you're going to have to be patient. I think their pitching is woefully inadequate behind Senga. Um, I would expect them to go shopping and get their hands on two or three pitchers right away. I mean, I, I would, I'm surprised that any day they don't sign one, I'm surprised. That's how much they need starting pitchers. I mean, they need three. They need to go out and get three right now who can come in and start. And it'd be nice if they got one who was any good. Joey, uh, I know Taylor Swift has nothing to do with Kelsey or the Chiefs' struggles, but do we need to see her every six seconds? I'm not a Taylor Swift basher. As a matter of fact, truth be told, I have a dog named Taylor that was named by my daughter after Taylor Swift. My daughter has been a Taylor Swift fan for many uh, years, since she was a very little girl. She's now a freshman at Villanova. Um, she has been a huge Taylor Swift fan. I have taken her to see Taylor Swift on at least five different occasions, mostly at the Garden. I've seen her in Giant Stadium. I've seen her in the Garden on multiple occasions. Um, we even got to get a picture with her once. She was very, very charming and very nice. Um, that was probably when Emily was about 11, uh, 10 or 11, I'd say. Uh, it doesn't, she's an incredibly accomplished, brilliant talent in her own right. Hey, it's the world we live in. It has clearly elevated Travis Kelsey to a different level with the commercials and with everything that's going on with him. I mean, there's no question. Uh, the NFL eyes and fans help. Taylor, the Taylor fans help the NFL. So I think they both get crossover attention, which is what they're both always looking for. 
So does it help Taylor? It does. Does it help the NFL? It does. Is it sometimes, you know, irritating during the game? Yes. I mean, because it's not part of the game. So we're just concentrating on the game. We don't need to see a million shots. And in the beginning, it's a novelty, just like DeVito's family was. And then after a while, it gets played out. I mean, that's just the way things are. We get tired of it. You know, we don't have a long attention span to those, you know, extracurricular things. So the thing is, they have not played well, and Kelsey hasn't played well, so now it's becoming, becoming a negative rather than a positive. But let's be honest, your first statement was the most accurate, and that is that she has nothing to do with what's going on on the field. Absolutely nothing. Kansas City is a mess offensively, and they don't have a lot of time to get it fixed. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.